0: Hi, and welcome to the Online Effication Poll, a podcast produced by Suma. I'm Alex, your host. The topic of today's episode is why your website should have a buy page, and our guest is Anders. But before we go into details about the buy page, we kind of got sidetracked into fairly long segments about the origins of some Swedish saints. We called our colleague Pia. And it kind of turned out to be an entertaining episode. I really hope you enjoy it. So Doug, it's time to roll the jingle. A while ago, we, we did a new, what do you say, that we published a new website, Anders, suma.se. Or we re-renovated the old one.
1: I could actually be a bit rude to Suma and say that's the first time ever in, in 20 years that we had a decent .com, or in this case .se. The principle when when we started Suma 2001 was that it should be really, really difficult to uh, find any information about Zuma. The The reason for that was that some of us came from companies who had been standing on the barricades at the end of the 19s and and the beginning of 2000 screaming about internet and talking about ourselves Um, so so one of the thoughts was this company will only be based on recommendation and recommendations and it should be very very difficult to find any information and definitely impossible to find anything about customer relations and that's that stayed for a very long time until we made the decision mid 2019 that whatever we do in suma when it comes to sales service marketing operations and everything else should be um two phases we experiment on ourselves we create the best practice and we Convince and help our support, uh, support our customers in implementing best practice instead of doing the experiments on the customers.
0: Yeah. Uh, we really increased the amount of internal uh, time there as well To Yes. Yeah. And, uh, and before we, would you say that it was a uh, school mark and barn, ha- what's the English expression for that? Doug. School Markians barn the shoemaker's child. I've never heard that in my life before, I have to say. What does it mean? In, in
1: German, it's the Schumacher's Kind. <laughs> <laughs> Where is this episode heading? <laughs>
0: <laughs> but what's, what's the meaning of it? Um, that
1: when, when you are the kids of a of, uh, shoemaker, hmm. you very seldom have um, uh, well... Uh, polished shoes okay because he doesn't or she doesn't have time to take care of their own children's shoes i see because they work so much p our colleague can most likely explain that expression perhaps we should have an episode asking p where does that expression come from because in swedish uh, there's a uh, expression um, much much better to ask p about this but in, in Swedish people say, det ingen på isen, there's no cow on the ice. And that's most likely very true. But in Swedish, as long as the uh, legs are still on the ground, is the English expression. And of course there's no cow on the ice if they have the legs on land. But in Swedish that became... There's no cow on the ice, which is a very difficult expression to understand because very seldom cows are on the ice. So it can be difficult with translation sometimes. And I know that I didn't exactly phrase the the English one, but let's ask P in an episode. Well, perhaps we should call him now.
0: Yeah, I can call him. I see that he's uh, available. Yeah,
1: then we should give him a ring and he needs to adapt let's see what happens and for the listeners alexander we're in a zoom meeting um and let's see if we can invite him otherwise we move on
0: yeah here he is hi pia jenna how are you you
1: you are in um, a recording episode of our pod Ah, And, and, and and suddenly in the pod alexander said the shoemaker's child Mm-hmm. And then we made a spin moving over to there's no cow on the ice. Mm-hmm. I know that you know that that is the wrong way to say it. What, what's the origin of Ingen and no cow on the ice?
2: In English? Yes. It's, it's an old uh, saying in uh, the rural Sweden. In wintertime, if the cows drowned, Uh, If the ice broke, that would be a disaster for family. It can mean the difference between survival (laughs) or or, uh, complete breakdown for family. So the original saying is there is no cow on the ice as long as she's got uh, the backbones on the shore. Um, That was how it
1: was. I told Alexander that I didn't, I said the legs are on land but it's, so it's sort of the back legs or the backbones of no,
2: ingen på isen så länge rumpan står på land.
1: Aha mm-hmm. so, so it's rumpan. Yep. Very good. Good the that we know this. Good <laughs> that yes. we this. P do you have anything to tell about the background of the shoemaker's child? barn? Uh
2: I think that's a misunderstanding because it's the baker's child
1: mm-hmm.
2: who should mm-hmm. never be offered cinnamon buns. Uh-huh. Uh, you are confusing this with skomakare blir vid bli din läst
1: mm-hmm.
2: meaning that you should not do anything or have an opinion about things that you don't know this has been misinterpreted misinter- during the years because originally it's a greek tradition from the uh, artist Apelles who in the 3rd century before christ was painting and he had a, 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 an audience watching this and there was actually a shoemaker who uh, suggested that he change a detail on the shoe because a shoemaker wouldn't do it that way. So Apelles thanked him and he changed the detail. Then, after a while, the shoemaker had an opinion about how the arm was painted. Then Apelles turned to him and said, Shoemaker, not above the wrist. So originalet <laughs> är teskomaker inte om bara för bristen och den har gjort som på svenska att Skomakare blir din lästare så håll dig till det du kan
1: Ja yeah. P it's always a pleasure and now you know why we called you we should stay at the things we know about and uh, call you when we don't know about it thank you very much P
0: Thank you thank you Yeah the, the real purpose of this podcast is to make um, the dialogues which i hear at zoom uh, to make them available for everyone and for our listeners and this is um sometimes our our dialogues end or um, not end but takes a spin we were talking about uh, our new website <laughs> and, <laughs> and 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 uh, a while ago anders you, you you said that we made a decision that we will create everything before recommending it for customers and uh, our new website. We we have a we have published an episode about our new website, right, Doug? Uh, that was about the corporate site, I believe. Okay, yeah. So in another episode, we will probably talk more about the um, the navigation part and structure of the new website and. For you listeners who have seen this website, we have a buy sections, which we didn't have uh, before. Could you explain a bit for our listeners what this buy section is, Anders?
1: One, all companies in the whole world should have a buy section. If if we look in B2B, they love to have product sections, service sections, solution sections, uh, blah, blah, blah. But hey, there's a reason why I go somewhere. I'm interested in something. And if I'm even on a company's website, I'm there because I'm interested. I'm looking for a job. I'm looking for a product. I'm looking for a solution. And I have a need. I have a challenge. I heard something good about this company, but come on 2021. There must be either the button saying I want an offer or buy. That's usually the two things when you start looking at services, solutions and products that you want. So due to that, this is how we tell our customers, we must have it ourselves. So we we have a bisection containing most parts of of our offering in in Suma. We have divided them in, in different sort of groups that they belong to and um, some of them you can buy through our e-commerce and some of them you can ask for quotes. And that has sort of been very good from two perspectives, from Suma's perspective commercially and from showing a good example or a best practice on how you can put up everything anyone could be interested in in buying or getting a quote on.
0: And in some of these offerings, uh, we have uh, prices as well. Um, For example, the keynotes here. This is not uh, widely used among B2B companies to actually put a number out there. Why is it so, Anders?
1: I mean, it's culture and tradition. the, The most common feedback is, oh, we can't put our prices there because then the Competitors know how much we charge. That's one. And another one is, yeah, yeah, but but uh, depends on the volumes that they buy from us. I I know from testing with different clients that that it's usually good to at least put the highest price in most B two B relations. You know that you can negotiate based on the volumes and the commitment and how many years. And, and so I think it would be very advantageous for any supplier or company in B2B to put a highest price because if you for example when when Tesla came, let's take that as an example, or when Polestar now came as cars, what is one of the first things you look at? <laughs> you look at the price. Yeah. And, and in, in one of those brands case, they actually managed to make people think, ooh hundred thousand euro for a car. How much did I pay for my existing Swedish car? I paid 60,000. Oh, that's not that much more. And and we all, in all situations, approximately, if we look at a table for for a dining room or a new bed or whatever, we love the bed when we see it visually. Ah, That's exactly what we want to buy. And then it's 15,000 euro for it. And then perhaps we, we think, oh, I wish I had a bit more money or a lot more money. So, so I, I think it's a huge mistake in B2B not to put out the prices. And in, in our case, we have also uh, the possibility to find out approximately how much do you need in a yearly budget to achieve what you want to achieve when you work with Sumon. And I think that's fair. And in our case, we never lower the prices so we can put our prices. We don't need to put the higher price. It doesn't matter of the volume. You don't get any reduction on the prices if you want to work with us.
0: And some offerings have a requested quote. Um, is our end goal to have a fixed price on on all our offerings or, or are there? I would love that
1: in, in, uh, in the cases that that is common right now. Uh, there's a lot of requests quote quote based on all the ifs and buts if you're going to do some no matter if it's a a training or or if it's workshops or if it's a brand strategy or whatever it is some of the things you can say yeah this will take three days and do this and that and these are your deliveries and our deliverables and in some other cases it's a bit ridiculous if you put if and but, and you can have a span between ten thousand euro and hundred thousand euro or one hundred and fifty thousand euro. So we will get closer and closer to that. Uh, the yep. more you pack package things, the easier for for your potential and existing customers to to make decisions.
0: And have we yet um, have any potential customer made a purchase here yet, or
1: not a potential but an existing? Mm and um, then through request a quote that's a very good thing when you are a potential customer because there's no commitment to ask for a quote yeah and and the good thing for a company who receives a request a quote is that they know who's asking so they can can think internally and say do we want to respond to this or not and then i mean respond on sending an offer of course respond but but do they do they want to interact and do business with this company yes or no and then they can send back yes we would love here's the offer or we, we haven't some doubts let's have more discussions
0: yeah talking about that commitment uh, which a uh, purchasing online actually means um if how should you think i mean if you have a very expensive offering um do you think uh, like the decision makers are ready to to make a purchase clicking a button, or do you need anything in between there
1: in in our case it's much easier for existing customers to click a buy button Mm. Uh, many of our customers um, have onlineified together with us lots of the relations when it comes to offerings and when it comes to sort of digital signage and when it comes to to invoices and, and everything else. And um, I think especially when when sort of perhaps the head office has been buying something mm-hmm. that they're gonna do with the sort of parent company, uh, sister companies or or their resellers or anything, then it's then it's very easy to use that functionality. But I mean if you let, let me make a short spin um if if we now would start googling for uh, european e-commerce specialist companies and we, we sort of try to find the 10 top-notch e-commerce companies providing the best software and the best consultants and advice and strategies and so on if if i would be a prospective customer and i i come to their online presence what can i buy you now claim for me as a prospective b2b customer that you are e-commerce specialist why do you not sell anything on your sites why can't i order or buy a pre-study you must have done pre-studies before for comparable companies why, why can't i see um, what what strategies that are available right now and why can't i book them in their calendars and why can't i buy the packages you must have experience from on a fixed price? knowing implementation type A always takes six weeks. These are the prerequisites. These are the deliverables. These are the implications. This is the amount of time it takes to do an implementation. If you today today have this system implemented in these many countries, why can't they do that? And I I think if I was a prospective customer, I would never buy an e-commerce solution uh, or anything else from an e-commerce company. If I can't buy it through online. Because how should they help me if they don't do it themselves? And that I think as well with a company like ours and, and many of our customers. I mean, it's, it's a no-brainer that some people prefer to purchase and handle the whole relation through online. And some others do it differently. But you must provide the possibility. Whatever you sell, you must provide the possibility to ha- handle 100% of the relation uh, through online and digitally. So yeah. we're on, on our way to become modern, and we need to be a best practice for everyone that we support and help.
0: Yeah, That's very good. Um, uh, thank you for for explaining a bit about the, the bisection.
1: You're very kind, Alexander.
0: Uh, you are very kind, Anders. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, So I think uh, that's an episode. Perhaps it is. Well, thank you for listening to this episode. If you like this podcast, you can subscribe to it on Spotify, SoundCloud, or you can subscribe to it on Zuma.se. Thank you very much and bye-bye.